We've had an incredible series, Stronger. What a name, Stronger. I was thinking it would be good for me to come out of this series a little stronger so I could open the cans and tins and bottles in my house. Um, you might be thinking it would be good for you to be stronger to do something like that, but I don't think the series is really addressing those issues. Stronger. Battle for the mind. Battle for the mind. I want to recap a little bit before we start um, exploring what the word is for us today. The very first morning when we started this series, Tony introduced us to God's creative work in us, making us from this creation that he made of the earth, of the world, his field. Interestingly, he made humans out of this stuff, the mud, the dust, the stuff of the earth. And he breathed into this human being, his breath, the Ruach, the Spirit of God. And we became living creatures. And God himself became part of who we are, God in us through the breath of the Spirit. It's interesting that I, I find, I realize that there's a drip somewhere here, but it's behind me, uh, that I, I find it interesting that we are from this earth. You've, you've heard the name Adam. This Adam's here. This Adam at camp. But the word Adam actually means of the earth. So Adama, of the earth. And uh, I'm hoping there's nothing up there just yet. That's <laughs> all right. We've got to get going about reviewing. So he made us. And he put us on this earth to fill it to bless it, and to have authority over it. He said, rule over this earth, and look after it, care and tend for it. However, it wasn't long into the story, and we don't know how long the story went, before Adam and Eve, our forefathers, actually blew it. And in their desire to be like God, and I was just thinking this week, hey, the temptation was to be like God. Weren't they already created like God? Didn't God create them in his image? And I thought, how powerful is that? We are created in his image. We who follow Jesus are in Christ. And the doubts about our reality come and are challenged and we forget who we are. So Adam and Eve were challenged right there initially about the reality of who they are. And so they gave into that temptation, and we've had that story, and uh, they gave the right and the authority that they were given by God over to the prince of this world, or the snake that deceived them, or otherwise known as Satan, the ruler of this earth. And it's this ruler of the earth that's been at battle with us ever since. Thankfully, in the story comes Jesus. We had the Christmas spectacular. Next week we have Easter. And you're invited to come and bring your friends to something that will be amazing. 
But you need Easter and Christmas together to get the whole picture. And so we invite you to come back to that story. Enough of that. But things changed because of Jesus coming into the world and him offering us new life in the spirit. Then Wayne came along and he addressed the results of this new reality that humans found themselves in, the battle for the mind, the continuous attack of the prince of this world attacking us. And this continues even to this day to those who are still in Christ. It's war, it's a battle. And one of the things I discover about this battle for the mind is that it does affect how we behave and how we live. What goes on in our minds comes out in what we do and what we say. As Wayne said, garbage in, garbage out. But unfortunately, the garbage is usually destructive to others. He reminded us that to be a disciple, we needed to keep learning, growing, continuing. Then Steve continued on. And I I reckon if we just took these three things that Steve said, we would be overcomers. And we wouldn't have a lot of the strife and issue and the behavior issues that we have. Can you remember his three things? First one, track your thoughts. Remember that? Track our thoughts. Keep a track of them. And then he talked about taking our thoughts into captivity and making them obedient to Christ. And the one way that we continue to do this is to obey the scripture, think on these things, things that are noble, things that are good, things that are lovely. And that's how far we've come already. I would um, recommend that you listen to that message of Steve's again. It was a brilliant time of looking at how to conquer what we think. Today, however, I want to go just a little bit sideways and consider an aspect of the mind that we haven't talked about, and that is the realm of feelings. The mind is made up of thoughts and feelings. The thoughts, the way we think, the way we analyze, the way we imagine, the way we remember, And usually a thought is attached to a feeling. And a feeling provokes a thought, and a thought approaches a feeling. So if you don't think that you are good enough, you start to feel as if you are rejected, or abandoned, or don't belong. And the feelings are very connected and interrelated. And I don't know what comes first, a thought or a feeling. But if you've got a memory, it's usually loaded with either good feelings or bad memories. And over the years, we get confused about the reality of what really did happen on those occasions because our feelings hijack even our thinking. So our thought life is made up of both our thoughts and our feelings. And what happens in our mind is either controlled by the prince of this world or us subjected to him, or they're controlled by the Spirit of God. And the passage that we had today talked about setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. 
setting your mind, focusing, fixing. And it just had a few little um, results or a linear thing that says, if you do this, then that will happen. If you set your mind on the flesh or on the earthly desires that you have and pursue earthly desires, it is a matter of death and destruction. It just said that quite clearly. And then it said, if you set your mind on the things of the spirit and desire the things of the spirit, the result is life and peace. Very simple progression there. That's the word of God. I can't change that. However, I want to talk about what happens in my life, in our lives, and how we become stronger when we set our minds on the things above and when our mind is controlled by the Spirit. Amazingly, when we do that, the results of what we do with our mind is seen in our hands and our feet, our body. What we do, how we do it. What we say, how we say it. Because it's the work of the transforming, it's the transforming work of the Spirit of God within us that produces this change. And hey, don't you want to change? Don't you want that Christ-likeness to be there? And it happens from the inside out, from the inside out. I've got a picture I want to put up here. I'm calling it The Complete Christian. You've heard of that book called The Complete Angler? It has it, I don't know whether you have or not, but anyhow, The Complete This and The Complete This. This is a picture of the complete Christian. Yes, I believe it. It may be a little bit hard to see, but uh, someone was able to put in picture picture form some of the thoughts I had. Have a look. The complete Christian. Is it possible? This is the reality. We are complete in Jesus. In Colossians, Paul writes, and he says, in Jesus, the fullness of God lives. And Jesus lives in us, and we are complete in him. That's our reality. That's my starting point today, the complete Christian. You got it? You got it? What do you see up there? You see rootedness, true? No feet, but hopefully you can see rootedness. Can you see the rootedness? Can you see streams of water? Can you see the word of God? Seasons of life? Can you just pick that up? We'll get a close in later on that. Sunshine? There is a sense of happiness, well-being. This is what we're going to explore. You got the complete Christian? If you are in Christ, I want to say it again, you are complete in him, in him. Let's have a look, first of all, at a closer picture here of rooted in Christ. This is just a blow up of the roots. What do you see? The word of God. Paul again said, grow in him. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Now, someone said to me, rightly so, that some of the best scholars in the world know the scriptures. I once upon a time, many years ago, learned Hebrew from an agnostic Jew at a university, and he knew the Old Testament better than anyone ever I knew. Anyone. 
and he could quote it, he could explain it, but it was in his mind. It was something that was his history. It wasn't in his roots. He wasn't rooted in the word. So let's just look at a verse that will go with this from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 7, which says this. Just as you received Christ Jesus, just as you received Christ Jesus, in fact, you can read it with me. I'm doing all the work up here. Let's read it together. So then. Just a few words, just a few sentences, but how powerful. Just as you received Christ. Christ, to those who have received Christ, when that first happened, it was like new life was given in you. It was called life. You move from death and darkness into light and life. And some of the pictures in the New Testament call that like being born anew like a baby. And how many of you have been visiting someone at the hospital who's just had a baby or gathered around and done the baby worship thing when you first see the baby in the arms of the mother or in a cradle and you want to pick it up, you just want to touch and hold. It's delight. We celebrate new birth. True? Especially grandparents. They're they're suckers for it, aren't they, Bruce? Yeah. It's just something that they do, just holding them, loving it. And We celebrate that. We celebrate it. But what tragedy if that person stayed a baby? Even though there's this, um, I listen to parents talk about this today. The little boy's six. How did it happen? How did he get there so fast? But the joy and delight of someone being six, the milestones the ability to run and walk and eat and feed themselves and dress themselves, go to school and move into maturity, high school, college, and then they bring the girls and the boys home, marriage, and then they do the same thing all over again. And a mother is always a mother. A father's always a father. But the children grow up, and that's exactly what we want, isn't it? So, but somehow or other, that doesn't get into our minds about what Jesus wants for the new babes in Christ. So then, just as you have received Christ, continue in him. Continue growing. Just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. In him rooted, built up, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. If that verse was all that you go away with today, that's probably enough. It's great, isn't it? Continue in him. Great soil, the word of God. Let the word go deep as you were taught. Place yourself in being taught. Not just here on Sundays, that's important, But let the word of God teach you yourself. Discover ways that you can learn and understand the word of God. So it's not just up here. It's a rootedness. 
It's like when Jesus was on earth. He said to his people, blessed or happy or safe, is, or the one who has life and hope is the one that builds their life on the teachings of Jesus and does them. He is like the, rich, uh, he is like the man, the wise man who builds his house on a rock. There's the word of God. But take a, a, a little closer look here for the next um, blow up of this complete Christian and you see something else. You got it? What's added this time? Streams of living water. Streams of living water. This is what Jesus said. Listen to it. He said, everyone who drinks of this water may everyone who drinks from me will never be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will come, become in them like a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Rooted in the word and having that well of living water springing up, never thirsty, never empty, never dry. Drink deeply of Jesus. There's a little word I just want to um, concentrate on from the Colossians passage where it says, continue in him. It says that there. It says, live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. Now, Paul was really, really um, attracted to this word because it was the sum of everything, a little word called in. There's a few Greek words for in, but this one he was attracted to. He couldn't move away from it, and he used it over and over. And he used it to say, my life is hid with Christ in God. And it was like he was saying, my life is in. This is the location. This is the place I live. In. I won't give you a Greek lesson, but it's all about how the word is used and it's the location. So that we who have received Christ are in him. Our location is in Christ. That is why we're complete. And that is why we are rooted in his word and the streams of living water just come up and they will eventually bless each other, bless others. In the message that Ben took, he introduced us to the Hebrew word for God, Yahweh, and mentioned it was like the breath, that the breath of God is on the human bodies, bearing the name of God, created in his image, and that the breath of God, our spiritual lives, have been recreated by the breath of the Spirit of God, the pneuma, the breath. So whenever you talk about the Holy Spirit, maybe it would be good to start saying the Holy Breath of God. Because the breath of God becomes the air we breathe. It becomes the way we do life. We slow down and remember that our God, our new life given to us by the Spirit of God makes us complete in him. This is our rootedness. This is our soil. From here, we live out 
our renewing, our recreation. Are you with me so far? Let's just have a look at this next picture. Uh, it's up there, it's the top part. They, they're illustrative. It's trying to illustrate a point, and thanks to the artists, they've done this for me, something that was black and white and stick figures in my journal. In this rootedness that we have in Christ, change comes to our feelings. Remember, the mind is made up of thoughts and feelings. Now, these two people, I'm glad there's two, because in our Christian life, there's never the one. We are complete in him, and we have our home with others. And uh, these two look relatively happy. Flowers in their mouth, almost yippies. Blue beard, I mean, they don't really care about who's around. Uh, there's a picture of joy and happiness. Would you agree with that there? Just sheer delight at being alive. Now, when the Spirit of God actually starts to grow us and we start to be rooted and built up in Him, there's certain things that happen inside us. And the first three feelings we note that happen inside are love, peace, joy, and peace, which are the first three fruits of the fruit of the Spirit. Is that right? Love, joy, peace. Love. I'm not talking about the romantic love that loves you today and because you didn't ring me, I'm not going to love you tomorrow. I'm not going to talk about the love that says you don't give me what I want, so you're on hold until I get what I want. I'm not talking about that kind of superficial love of ice creams, of dogs and cats, not necessarily superficial, important in life, but a love where there's mutuality and coming and being. I'm talking about a love that started with God. There's some movements of God. God loved us first. He was what you say, he loves and he loves and he stands on tiptoe pouring out love, waiting for us to respond to this love. He sends us beautiful days. He sends us seasons. He sends us warnings. He gives us from his bounty and he loves and he cares and he sent us Jesus. And we discover that we respond to that love and we love because... He first loved us. And that, for a little while, is, oh, out of this world because I know I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm starting to believe that someone loves me at last. I'm likable. This God that is there, he's included me. And wow, my sins are forgiven as I've confessed. And life can't get any better until I wake up in the next morning and discover that, I've still got to make my bed, get to work, and the same people are around. But it started, this love, hasn't it? It started. He loves, we love, and he starts to work in us. And so as we are rooted in him, as we are built up in him, and as we stay there and let the breath of God breathe into us, and if we breathe the breath of God, we 
commit ourselves to this love. Love is a commitment. Love is a choice. And it's part of love that we don't hear about. It's a part of love that says, okay, I'm gonna love. Just recently I was having a little bit of trouble loving someone. I was supposed to love them. And uh, yeah, I knew I had to love them. And I said, God, there's not a lot of love in my life at this moment to this person. Please, I need to do something to help me. And so I sat there and said, every time this person comes into my mind, I'm going to think of something I can thank God for about them. Because this person was great. This person was made in the image of God. This person had gifts and talents and could do things I couldn't do. So when the niggly, horrible spirit came, I turned it into a thank you God for, because this person can do that and I can't, and she does it so well. And so probably three or four days I did it repetitively. It was a choice. It was a decision. No problems. I guess my love for this person even grew because I started to see the good things, the beauty in this person. Love. Love then comes out, the movements of love, which I was doing first. God loved us. We love God, and we start to discover that we can love other people, and we choose to, and we live in a community of love. And we forget about the need to be loved ourselves (laughs) because we can just enjoy the love of God. He loves us. But out of this love comes joy. Joy, again, is something that's deep-rooted, and it's not happiness. Happiness is dependent on good things happening around us, seeing someone, someone giving us something, an event, going to a show, um, having a chat with someone I like, and that comes and goes. But joy comes out of love, and it's a condition of well-being. It's something that's deep within joy. And the devil can't get it. The world can't get it. Others can't rob it because it's there. And it comes out of love and out of that comes peace. Peace has got nothing to do with war all around us, strife, the the way the world is, the um, terrible things that happen. Peace again is something that is inside. I'm resting well in the rootedness of being in Christ. And so these three conditions, I'm using conditions of feeling, you got it? They're not come and go things. They're things that are rooted in us because of our relationship and our love of Jesus. Love, joy, peace. But let's have a look at this next picture because these behaviors... The first ones are conditions within as a result of our love and relationship with God. But how does that comes the other fruits of the Spirit? Do you know what they are? Gentleness, kindness, patience, goodness, self-control, faithfulness. Now, these behaviors or actions are always focused at the other. Is that right? Sometimes I can be kind to myself, but that is not what I'm talking about here. Kindness is because of the love, joy, and peace in my life, and because I choose to grow up and be rooted in Jesus, I can then be kind and loving and gentle and patient and have self-control, be faithful without God in my life. And without my needs being satisfied, my need of love 
and joy and peace, being totally satisfied in Jesus, it's impossible for me to be this to you. You got that? It's impossible. And so when I set my mind on the Spirit of God, I become rooted deeply in Christ and I continue to live in Him, drinking from His water, breathing His air, reading His word, slowing down so that the love of God, the joy that flows out of that, the peace of God are stable realities within. Therein is the complete Christian in Christ, in Christ. And out of that, different things can happen. The fruit of the breath of God, the fruit of the breath of God is inner well-being. The result of a mind set on God, where thoughts have come under the control by tracking our thoughts, by taking time to think, and by making sure that they are taken into captivity. So the fruit of the breath of God is inner wellness. Have a look at this, that one, because you will see the fruitfulness happens in season and out of season. Can you just see in the picture a little snowman? Can you see that? The picture there? Uh, other one, the one before that. Oh. Yeah, can you see the snowman? So this reminds me of Psalm 1, where it says, we are, tran are planted like a tree. We shall be like a tree planted by the streams of the water that bears fruit in season and out of season. The fruit we're to bear, that fruit of the Spirit that comes from our relationship in Him. So what am I calling you to do? I'm calling you to keep these messages close to your heart. I'm asking you to keep your mind set on things above. I'm asking you to keep fighting that battle in the way that both Wayne and Steve encouraged us to. And I'm inviting you to continue to surrender and to grow up. For goodness sake, start growing up. Some of us have been babies too long and we want to celebrate not just new birth, but continuing growth. May God bless you. May God enable you to see yourself in Christ. For those who've received him and for those who have not, the invitation is there. Receive him and grow up in him. Amen.